How were the storms last night for y'all? It, like, rained hard here, but nothing really happened. Well, that's good. What about you, Ashley? Yeah, it was fine. Um, I mean, it was just torrential downpour until about 2 o'clock this morning. Yeah, same here. My parents got snow. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was about to say, wasn't it snowing up there in, like, Denton and South Lake and stuff? Yeah. And up in McKinney, too. Yeah. I'm really surprised I didn't get any snow here being so close to it, but... There, not, yeah. there was some snow in Garland. Oh. Because my aunt lives there, and they, had, they got a little bit of snow. I missed all of the snow? Yeah, apparently. That's some bullshit, if I ever heard any. <laughs> Sorry to hear it. Sorry about it. Oh, well, goodness. I mean, I guess I survived the snow apocalypse of Garland then, but... Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess, uh, welcome to Legendary Lasses. Oh, yeah, I have to say something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'll like, did it cut out? <laughs> Sorry, y'all, it's been a long fucking day. <laughs> Take two, do it again. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Legendary Lasses. I'm Ashley. I'm KB. And I'm Sally, and today is going to be a Sally-sode. It's a Sally-sode! Taking the reins, it's 2020, roaring take two of the roaring 20s, and in celebration of that, we are covering this special lady, and that lady is Josephine Baker. Woo! Yes. So, Josephine Baker, what do y'all first think? I know the name. Okay. And I can um, kind of picture what she looks like. I picture, so, I had a class that talked about her. So, I have, like, a little bit of an understanding about her life, but it was, like, a blip in our syllabus, you know? Yeah, me too. That's so. how I remembered her, um, just a little blip, and we watched a little clip of what she did. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to read that first paragraph in, uh, in Wikipedia. Okay. Josephine Baker was an American-born French entertainer, French resistant agent, and civil rights activist. Her career was centered primarily in Europe, mostly in her, adopt- in her adopted France. Baker was the first African-American to star in a major motion picture, the 1927 silent film Siren of the Tropics. Directed by Mario Nalpa, N- uh, Nalpas and Henry Etiavon. Yeah. Okay. She was super awesome. And yeah, and I was like, I think you bring in the, the, the second take of the Roaring Twenties. I think this Give is just it the a perfect redo. person. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay. I'm so excited. So, Frida Josephine McDonald was born on June 3rd, 1906 in St. Louis, Missouri to Carrie McDonald. Hey, what up, fam? What? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, you're good. To Carrie McDonald, a washerwoman who had given up on her dreams of becoming a music hall dancer. And her father, I'm going to read a little bit about. Or her her, her alleged father is Eddie Carson, who is a vaudeville drummer. Um, who abandoned Carrie and Josephine shortly after her birth. Shortly after her birth, and I'm going to read a little excerpt 
from the book Josephine the Hungry Heart by John Claude Baker, who's uh, one of her one of Josephine's adopted sons. This is talking about the circumstances surrounding the birth of Josephine, which I thought was really interesting. Okay. The records of the city of St. Louis tell an almost unbelievable story. They show that Josephine Baker's mother, Carrie McDonald, was admitted to the exclusively white female hospital on May 3rd, 1906, diagnosed as pregnant. She was discharged on June 17th, her baby, Frida J. McDonald, having been born two weeks earlier. Why six weeks in the hospital? Especially for a black woman of that time who would customarily have, have had her baby at home with the help of a midwife? Obviously, there, ha- there have had to been complications with the pregnancy, but Carrie's chart reveals no details. The father was identified on the birth certificate simply as, quote-unquote, EDW. Oh. I think Josephine's father was white. So did Josephine. So did her family. People in St. Louis say that Baker's mother had worked for a German family around the time she became pregnant. Oh. He's the one who must have got, got her into that hospital and paid to keep her there all those weeks. Also, her baby's birth was registered by the uh, head of the hospital at a time when most black births were not. I have unraveled many mysteries associated with Josephine Baker, but the most painful mystery of her life, the mystery of her father's identity, I could not solve. The secret died with Carrie, who refused to end to talk about it. She let people think Eddie Carson was the father, and Carson played along, but Josephine knew better. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I felt like this was going to get crazy when you said alleged father. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, like I said, Eddie Carson abandoned Carrie and Josephine shortly after her birth. Okay, question. Yes. You said something that they said that she was working for a German family. So that's not Carson. No, because Eddie Carson was a vaudeville drummer. Then why is this? Okay. Okay. I don't know. It just says uh, she let people think Eddie Carson was the father. And he played along. Oh. Yes. Okay. After Eddie Carson left, her mother Carrie remarried soon after and would have several more children in the coming years. Josephine spent her early life at 212 Targhee Street, known by some St. Louis residents as Johnson Street, um, and that's in the Mill Creek Valley neighborhood of St. Louis. Um, I don't know where that is in, in geographically in the St. Louis area, but it's a racially mixed, low-income neighborhood near Union Station, and it's consisting mainly of rooming houses, brothels, and apartments without indoor plumbing. Lovely. Yeah, she, uh, Josephine was always poorly dressed and hungry, and, uh, she de- and then she developed st- uh, street smarts playing um, in the railroad yards of Uni- Union Station. She was always yeah. hungry? It, it made me sound like, sound like she was like Aladdin, because she got street smarts. <laughs> What's that street rat song? Yeah, riff rat, street, street rat. rat. I don't, don't buy, buy that. that. <laughs> oh, that's it. That, that honestly, that's the best song in Aladdin, and that might be Ashley's hot take for the episode. But it, it's a good song. <laughs> it's a good, really. That's the best song in Aladdin, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Followed very closely by Prince Ali. Okay, that's valid. Yeah. Okay. At eight years old, to help support her family, Josephine cleaned houses and babysat for wealthy white families. 
at eight at eight years old and she was often being poorly treated there is a record of one woman abusing her abusing josephine by burning her hands when she put too much soap in the laundry um Mm. yeah so at the age of 13 she ran away from home and was working as a waitress at a club she lived i'm sorry did you say at 13 yes she lived as a street child that's what the term was in the slums of st louis she was sleeping in cardboard shelters and scavenging for food in garbage cans and making a living with street corner dancing. Okay. Oh, no, it gets really weird now. Oh, no. So while there, she married a man named Willie Wells, from whom she divorced only weeks later. And she's, again, how old? 13. And this is what time period? This is the late teen teens and the early 20s. Good grief. Yeah. She wow. divorced. Yeah. Um, at the age of 15 in 1921, she married Willie Baker. Um, that same year, she was recruited to the St. Louis Chorus Bodville show. Oh. Yeah. Her mother didn't want her to become an entertainer and scolded her for not tending to her second husband. Can you imagine being 15 and you're on your second marriage? Nah. Gracious. Yeah. I can't even imagine being on my first marriage now and I'm 26. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Same. So she then went to New York City with the vaudeville show. Um, This was during the Harlem Renaissance. She was performing at the Plantation Club, which was Florence Mills' old stomping ground. And she was in the chorus line for some uh, really big broadway reviews uh at, so so uh, shuffle along in 1921 with adelaide hall oh wow and uh the chocolate dandies in 1924 so in the chorus line um her position was sometimes referred to as quote unquote the pony uh which is placed at the end of the chorus line and kind of a challenging challenging position that required more vocals and rhythm but comedy and so it's the last person of the line and they're the one that dances as if they, do, they don't know any of the steps, only to perform the entire uh, routine perfectly during the encore. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. And she was really good at it. People took notice, and eventually it was, uh, made her the quote-unquote highest-paid chorus girl in Botville. Wow. Damn. Yeah. So in 1925, she divorced her husband, Willie Baker, but kept his last name professionally for the rest of her life. Hence the oh, name Josephine why. Baker. I guess just because it rolls off the tongue or maybe uh, because she was using Josephine Baker, maybe like her name was picking up more. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. That same year in 1925, she sailed to Paris and opened in, uh, I'm going to, pro- there are some French names in here that. You're going to do great. I'm probably going to butcher. No, you're going to do great. I believe in you. Okay. Well, the review was called La Revue Negre at the Theatre del Champs-Élysées. I don't know. Champs-Élysées. Yeah. Sh- I don't know. <laughs> in Paris, she became an, an instant success. Uh, this was the beginning of, I would say, burlesque dancing. Uh-huh. Became a big icon where it was um, the 
most famous costume was um, it was a skirt made of uh, artificial bananas. <laughs> what? And, yeah. And so the her success with that and uh, with the exposition, yeah, exposition de art. I don't know. Um, it gave birth to the term <laughs> art deco. It gave, yeah. So like, um, I, I'm not going to pronounce all these French names. I'm not fancy. <laughs> Um, it gave wow. birth, birth to the term Art Deco. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. So um, tell me about this artificial banana skirt. It was like, it, it was just like a string of artificial bananas and they're painted gold and they have like little uh, stones on them and they sort of look like tentacles from far away. <laughs> oh no. Okay. But it, it looks super cool and she has the top she has on. I wouldn't even, be, I wouldn't even call it a top, but it's just kind of like covering the nip uh, it's it looks awesome i couldn't pull it off <laughs> okay like i'd look like job of the hut wearing a string bikini but <laughs> oh that one really got me thanks so this is from wikipedia i don't know if this is true or not but okay. this is the sentence that stuck out to me in later shows in paris she was often accompanied on stage by her pet cheetah chiquita who was adorned with a diamond collar. The cheetah frequently escaped into the orchestra pit where it terrorized the musicians, adding another element of excitement to the show. <laughs> okay, so I think I have heard about her having a cheetah before. I had no idea its name was Chiquita. Isn't that a brand of banana? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, after a while... She was the most successful American entertainer working in France. Wow. Ernest, Ernest Hemingway called her the most sensational woman anyone ever saw. Oh, of course he did. Yeah. The <laughs> offer, he spent hours talking with her in Paris bars. I'm um, sure he did. Pablo Picasso drew paintings depicting her alluring beauty. And uh, Jean Cousteau became friendly with her and helped vault her to international stardom. Wow. Mm-hmm. Then she started doing films, like I was talking about earlier. She was in the film uh, Siren of the Tropics in 1927, Zuzu in 34, Princess Tam Tam in 1935, and Foss Alert in 1940. That seems like quick succession for that time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, despite her popularity in France, she never attained the equivalent reputation in America. In 1936, she returned to the United States for the revival of Ziegfeld Follies on Broadway. Oh, okay. Yeah, she generated less than impressive box office numbers and later was replaced by Gypsy Rose Lee. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. Yeah. So we like, I... hold on. Sorry. How did we like Gypsy Rose Lee better than Josephine Baker? I don't know. Well, I'm going to get to that because these are some commentary. This is uh, Time Magazine referred to her as, um, and I'm give, I'm quoting this. Uh-oh. Um, oh, no, I'm scared. Don't say it. Quote, quote unquote. <laughs> and they're referred to as, quote, Negro wench whose dancing and singing might be topped anywhere outside of Paris, end quote. Oh, my gosh. Um, excuse me. Sir, <laughs> when you asked that, I was like, "Racism." Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the I answer. mean, 
That's a good point. Good point. But um, I'm going to need the sir to sit down. Yeah, I was really pissed off. And then other critics said her voice was too thin and dwarf-like. Dwarf-like? Yeah, dwarf-like to fill in the Winter Garden Theater. And I... I'm I'm very confused by that term. What does that even mean? I don't know. Uh, like it wasn't a big enough sound? I guess not. Hmm. So I after it was fine. Yeah. After this uh, not a great response to her, she was obviously heartbroken. She returned to Europe and married an industrialist uh, named Jean Leon, and then you do it, girl. Honestly, you go and live your best life, and if that's in yeah. Europe, and then do she it. yeah, and because she married him, she became a legal citizen of France, giving up her American citizenship. Hell yes, girl. That that's your best life. Hell yeah. Yeah. Forget them assholes in New York. <laughs> yeah. So this is we're now gonna step into. The late 30s, specifically 1939. This Uh-oh. is the beginning of World Uh-oh. War II. Hitler's return. Yeah. Well, Germany's return, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, in September of 1939, France declared war on Germany. Hey, do y'all want to hear a really bad World War II joke? Oh, no. Do we? We're, we're already here. <laughs> <laughs> World War II, a world <laughs> war so fun we did it again. What? Or, um, no, 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 it's that, um, was it? It's so nice, I'll, we'll do it twice. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. It didn't land, Ashley. I hope you're aware of that. I'm sorry, it's because I was laughing too hard. Okay. Well, France declared war on Germany. Uh, Josephine Baker was recruited by the French military intelligence as an honorable correspondent. She collected information or what information she could about um, German troop locations. Um, she specialized because like she was meeting officials at parties. She was, you know, rubbing shoulders with high-ranking Japanese officials, Italian bureaucrats, and just reporting back what she heard at these events. And w- and she got all this information without raising suspicion. So when the Germans invade- invaded France, she left Paris and went to the Chateau de Milans, uh, which is her home in uh, in the south of France. And that's where- and she housed people who were eager to help the free French effort by Charles de Gaulle and supplied supplied people with visas. Oh, okay. As an entertainer, she had an excuse for moving around Europe, visiting neutral uh, nations such as Portugal and some in South America. Mm-hmm. And, that, and she uh, carried information from transmission to England about airfields, harbors, and German troop concentrations in the west of France. And uh, these notes were written on invisible ink on um, her sheet music. Whoa! Yeah. That's really badass. Like, this is some, like, cool spy shit. Yeah. I want to be a spy. Do you want to... I don't know what you'd be a spy for. I don't know. Anyways. And uh, later on in 1941... She and her entourage went to the French colonies in North Africa. 
the stated reason was for Baker's health since mm-hmm. she was uh, recovering from another case of pneumonia. But the real reason was to continue helping them with the resistance. Hell yeah. Yeah. So she, from a base in Morocco, she made tours of Spain. Uh, she pinned notes with information she gathered inside her underwear. You know, she was counting on her celebrity to avoid a strip shirt, strip search. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty uh, uh, ballsy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And after the war, she received the Croix de Gear. 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 Yeah. And <laughs> the Rosette de la Resistance. Um, she was made a, uh, a Chevalier of the Legion. Uh, yeah. The Legion d'Honneur. D'Honneur. I don't know. She got a lot of medals and shit. Oh, Legion of Honor. Yeah. Gotcha. To honor. Yeah, I'm stupid. So following the war, she spent most of her time uh, with her family. In 1947, she married French orchestra leader Joe Bouillon. Wait, what happened to the industrialist? I didn't see anything else that happened to him. Wow. He probably died. Uh, Or she divorced him. So... And in begin so anyway, she married um, orchestra leader Joe Boyon, and beginning in 1950, she began to adopt babies from around the world. Um, she, um, in all, she adopted 12 children, and she created what she referred to as her Rainbow Tribe Aww. and her um, experiment in brotherhood. Um, she often invited people to her estate. To see the children to demonstrate that people of different races could, in fact, live together har- um, harmoniously. Uh, right? I love her. She's really cool. Though, so, during the 50s, she, uh, Baker, frequently returned to the U.S. And she was lending support to the, um, to the civil rights movement participating in demonstrations and boycotting segregated clubs and concert venues. Hell yes. Yeah, so like there were like she had a performance in Miami and she was like ma- making sure that it was a segregated or like a um a not segregated a um what's the integrated I don't know. Not segregated. <laughs> Integrated? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 1963, she participated alongside Martin Luther King Jr. in the March on Washington and oh, wow. was among uh, many notable speakers that day. In I honor have her... no idea she did that. Yeah, I didn't know either. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. In honor of her efforts, the NAACP eventually named May 20th Josephine Baker Day. What? Mm-hmm. How do we not celebrate that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, and I just remembered that she, when we're, ta- we're talking about activism, especially with, uh, with civil rights, um, it reminded me that she uh, is also a, she's a bisexual woman. And we talked about this in our Frida Kahlo episode. She had an affair with, or she had an affair with Frida Kahlo. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, that just reminded me. So, yeah. She's another interesting one that seems to, like, hit all these crossroads. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's a here's a headline for 
for one of the for one of my resources. It says Josephine Baker, queer radical artist and activist. Uh, Baker lived. Well, this is a quote from the source. is just called Afropunk. Huh. But anyways, it says Baker loved women as well. Possibly her most famous relationship was, was with Frida Kahlo. They were lovers with a lot in common, both bisexual women, women of color who were artists and activists. The women were radical, never dependent on men, and Baker was unafraid to leave sour relationships. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> so, back to the uh, civil rights and stuff. After decades of reje- uh, rejection by her countrymen and a lifetime spent dealing with racism, in 1973... Josephine Baker performed at Carnegie Hall and was greeted with a standing ovation. Wow. Yes, girl. Yeah. And she was so moved by this that she wept openly before her audience. Oh. Yes. Yeah, because the uh, last time she was in New York, she got called a not nice name. Yes. The show was a huge success and marked Baker's comeback to the stage. Yes, girl. In April of 1975, Josephine Baker performed at the Bobino Theater in Paris in the first of a series of performances celebrating the 50th anniversary of her Paris debut. Um, numerous celebrities were in attendance, including Sophia Loren, Princess Grace of Monaco, oh, wow. um, who was a dear friend of uh, Josephine for years. And days later, on April 12th, 1975, Josephine Baker died in her sleep of a cerebral hemorrhage, and she was 68 years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. On the day of her funeral, more than 20,000 people lined the streets of Paris to witness the procession, and the French government honored her with a 21-gun salute making Josephine Baker the first American woman in history to be buried in France with military honors. Oh my gosh. And that's the story of Josephine Baker. Okay, well, I want to be her when I grow up, first of all. Yes. Second of all, that's incredible that she receives military honors on the day of her funeral. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, she did all this stuff during the war, which, like, more than, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, deserves it. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to me that even though she was still a civilian, and it's years later, they still did that. Yeah. I think that's what's interesting to me about that. What I, we talked about this a little bit ago, where I was, because I, I didn't know a lot about Josephine Baker. Yeah. After reading this, and after doing some research, I was like, what the? <laughs> like she was a total badass yeah and, like and if, if you if you see pictures of her i mean she is absolutely stunning yeah she is stunning is the, is the only way there is a picture from um i saw of um of her and uh, all of her kids this was in, the, in 1959 and just it was probably it was the cutest picture i've seen and i don't like kids but <laughs> <laughs> It was just so cute and adorable, and it was aw- it was it was really cool. Um, and then I was like that. I was like, I don't. I still can't. Like, she was a spy. She was an activist. Like, she was a fucking spy. Like, I can't. That's totally freaking cool. Yeah, and like, it, it, it's so dangerous. 
Yes. Like, dangerous for anyone, but she's also a woman of color at this time. That's my, that, and, like, that's even crazier, especially, like, in this time in history, like, having all of these accomplishments and being a woman of color, like, that's unheard of, but she fucking did it anyway. She was like, I'm, because she could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that is just, really awesome and very I mean yeah I no one no one never talks about her and she's fucking cool can we make a movie about Josephine Baker yeah who's playing Who's Josephine play- Baker I'm thinking Ian McGregor well okay <laughs> I mean well then it's the whole like it's the whole blackface kind of controversy I understand I was just making a joke um <laughs> Um, I don't know. Oh, I I cannot think of her name. I can see her face, and I can't think of anything she's been in right now. Hold on, my mind just went blank. Nope, gone. It's gone. If I think of it, I'll I'll text you guys. Oh God, what is her name? You know what? Nope. Oh God, I wish I could. I can. I can like. I keep seeing her face for like a moment, and then my brain is like. Going, nah. I know I'm gonna feel like an idiot when it finally pops into my head, though. <laughs> All right, Kami, do you have any commentary? Um, what I guess one of the things I find interesting is, and I think about to what degree was she able to be as successful as she was because she went to France? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because at this point in time, there's a lot of like. African-American people who are going to France. And it's not to say that the French weren't at all racist, but the situation there was like at least better than it was here. Right. Yeah. Uh, So I, I think about that and also some of the other women we've talked about who came up against obstacles and eventually came to a point in their life where it was like, if I stay here or if I keep trying to do X, Y, or Z, it's not going to work. And then they just completely do something that is such a huge change. So I think about like James Miranda Barry, you know, you can't be a doctor and a woman at that time in history. So guess mm-hmm. what? I'm a guy. Right. Or daughter. She couldn't be a mycologist at that point in history. So, okay, guess what? I'm going to illustrate books. And now we've got Josephine Baker, who it's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it in St. Louis. Okay, great. Let's go to France. Like, yeah. And I mean, like, she be like, it was, it was crazy. Like that's, and it was crazy. Cause like she went to Paris and like, she became an instant success. Yeah. Like, Which, like, tells crazy. you, obviously, she's talented, and it's just people in America being asshats. Yeah. Well, this is also France in the 20s, you yeah. know? And and so the art scene was really weird. Like, I think this was right after Dadaism. And it, it was saying she became an instant success because for her erotic dancing and for appearing practically nude on stage. And I think just it was new and it was exciting and they just wanted more. Yeah. I mean, this is also the lost generation. So you have all these people who are Mm -hmm. coming up during this time of 
you know, after World War One, where, you know, we're all pretty much lost on like, war is not what it used to be. And it's, it's, it's even more terrifying. And what do we do now? Mm-hmm. And how do we move on? And what's coming next? And what's the point of everything? Yeah. I think that's, has, you know, that has a lot to do with it, too. That's true. Yeah. So I'm also a fan of the fact that it seems like France always takes our weirdos. <laughs> yeah. So, like Edgar and being so underappreciated in America, but then the French, like, loved him. Yeah. Does this mean we need to go to France? I mean, Probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, I need to brush up on my French. Because <laughs> it is no parfait. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You're good. Okay. Well, thank you for 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 lying to me. Um, <laughs> okay. So I think that's it. Wow. It is a fast episode. Yeah, it feels fast like we got to that really fast. That yeah. was a good episode, though. That was yeah. a good episode. And I appreciated learning about who she was, you know, later on into, like, the Second World War and stuff. Because everything I had known about her was her entertainment career, pretty much. Same here. Yeah, and so I feel like her activism part of her life doesn't get talked about a lot. Yeah. yeah, the same thing with Frida Kahlo as well. We talked about this. Yeah. Where... Yeah. yeah, I'm also really Let's glad move... you talked about her, like, adoptions um, as well. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to read up some more on Josephine Baker, and I'm going to start writing up a movie script. Okay. Maybe okay. maybe this will be our first crowdfunded Legendary Lasses film. Okay. Can I be in it? I don't... I'll just probably be an extra. Sure. Do you want to be one of the weirdos in France? Yes. Okay, great. Is Gertrude Maybe. Stein what are you doing? around this time? Yeah, Gertrude Stein? Yeah. Yeah, she's around. I yeah. can grow up my brows and be free to call out. I mean, sure. Yeah. Sure, girl. Okay. KB, what are you so, doing in the movie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that was really funny. <laughs> Um, Zelda Fitzgerald. Oh, geez. Mostly oh, no. because I want you to be very swoony and dramatic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I have been Zelda once before, and it was a catastrophe. What do you like, mean? <laughs> just so it was when I was taking that one person show class, mm-hmm. and we had to do a historical figure, oh. and I of Zelda but I also feel like she's a big fat mess and that like went into my acting a little too much like it was just I would pay anything to watch you do this (laughs) yeah all right so um who wants to do the outro okay (laughs) well first of all thank you for listening that's number one we appreciate you guys we do have a bunch of social media. We have uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All of those are at Legendary Lasses. So you can find us that way. We also have an email address. That's legendarylasses at gmail.com. 
There you can send us any of your suggestions or feedback, people you'd like to hear us talk about, things like that. Um, also, another way to, a good way to give feedback is if you use any of the listening platforms like iTunes or things like that that have a rating system, definitely leave us a rating and a review. That really helps us a lot. We are on several different platforms, so you've got a lot to choose from. And if you do feel so inclined, um, we also have an option to donate to our podcast, and that's through anchor.fm slash legendary lasses, and there's an option to contribute to our podcast there. We also have a website. It's legendarylasses.wordpress.com, and that's where we post notes and information about our episodes, things like that. Um, so you can find us there as well. Is that all? I think you got it. Okay. Get it the landing. Let's see. We're going to see. Okay. So thank you again for listening and go out, make waves, change history and stay legendary. And kick some ass. And be, yeah. be weird. Yeah. Be weird. y'all. Yeah. Be weird. Then we can all move to France together. Yeah. <gasps> this is the start of our cult. Oh no. Um, <laughs> not. All right. Well, bye. Hey, Sally. <laughs> what? Cake's better than pie. Ashley. <laughs>